Good morning. Please remain standing as you're able and join me in praying the Shema. This is a prayer, of course, that is uh, foundational to our life and faith here at this church, as it declares who we know our God to be and who we know ourselves to be as his followers. So please join with me or say after me the, the Hebrew portion and then join with me for the English portion. Shema Israel. Adonai Eloheinu. Adonai Echad. Hear, O Israel, the Lord is our God, the Lord alone. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. Now hear these words from our sacred text, from the first chapter of the gospel according to Matthew. This is the genealogy of Jesus the Christ, the son of David, the son of Abraham. Abraham was the father of Isaac, Isaac the father of Jacob, Jacob the father of Judah and his brothers, Judah the father of Perez and Zerah, whose mother was Tamar, Perez the father of Hezron, Hezron the father of Ram, Ram the father of Amminadab, Amminadab the father of Nashon, Nashon the father of Solomon, Solomon the father of Boaz, whose mother was Rahab, Boaz the father of Obed, whose mother was Ruth, Obed the father of Jesse, and Jesse, the father of King David. David was the father of Solomon, whose mother had Uriah's wife. Solomon, the father of Rehoboam. Rehoboam, the father of Abijah. Abijah, the father of Asa. Asa, the father of Jehoshaphat. Jehoshaphat, the father of Jehoram. Jehoram, the father of Uzziah. Uzziah, the father of Jotham. Jotham, the father of Ahaz. Ahaz, the father of Hezekiah. Hezekiah, the father of Manasseh. Manasseh, the father of Ammon, Ammon, the father of Josiah, and Josiah, the father of Jeconiah and his brothers at the time of the exile to Babylon. After the exile to Babylon, Jeconiah was the father of Shealtiel, Shealtiel, the father of Zerubbabel, Zerubbabel, the father of Abihud, Abihud, the father of Eliakim, Eliakim, the father of Azor, and Azor, the father of Zadok, Zadok, the father of Akim, Akim, the father of Elihud, Elihud, the father of Eleazar, Eliezer, the father of Mathan, Mathan, the father of Jacob, and Jacob, the father of Joseph, the husband of Mary, and Mary was the mother of Jesus, who is called the Christ. Thus, there were 14 generations in all from Abraham to David, 14 from David to the exile in Babylon, and 14 from the exile to the Christ. This is a portion of the story of God told for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Now, you may take a deep breath, or I'll take a deep breath, and you may put it. <clears throat> so as I was sitting down to begin writing this sermon, I opened up my email for a quick look and quickly found something that would become an immense distraction. See, for Valentine's Day, my wife and I got each other DNA kits, DNA analysis kits, as a gift. And my email contained the results of my DNA analysis. If you're not familiar with these, what you do is send in a sample of your saliva, and they send you a great report, including ethnicity and health and all kinds of stuff like this. Well, when I opened my email and saw that my DNA results were ready, I quickly clicked, and the next hour and a half were over like this, and not a word of this sermon had been written. I don't think, however, that this was a complete waste of time because what better way to prepare for a sermon on the genealogy of Jesus than by a little bit of exploration of my own. 
My DNA analysis confirmed some things that I knew it would say. In fact, uh, I'm predominantly Scandinavian and British with a good portion of Irish as well, but there were some surprises. I had more French and German blood than I imagined, and I even found that I have some Filipino blood and some sub-Saharan African blood. My results did not find that I have any Native American ancestry, though my entire life my dad has been telling me that my fifth great-grandfather was a chief of the tribe of Huron. These ancestry and DNA industries have blown up in the last several years. One of the websites boasts more than 20 million users trying to find something out about their genealogical identities. Our own church has even been hosting a class on Saturday mornings where people are learning how to trace their own genealogies. People are very interested in learning something about this. We all have these questions about who we are and where we came from, and these services are allowing, to, allowing us to explore these questions in ways that we never could before. The Gospel of Matthew here begins with just such a question. Who is Jesus? This week on Ash Wednesday, we began our Lenten season. And in this Lenten season, we are moving into a new sermon series. This sermon series will be climbing the great mountain of change through this Gospel of Matthew. In his book titled Heart and Mind, our friend Dr. Alexander Shia explains that each of the Gospels is uniquely suited to answer a particular question on the journey of transformation. The question of Matthew is how do we face change? Mark is the question of how we face suffering. John is the question of how we receive joy. And Luke is the question of how we mature in service. But we are spending this Lenten season in Matthew because our church is facing change. Two weeks ago, the UMC had a special called session of the General Conference to discuss how we move forward with issues of LGBTQ inclusion. And over the course of the next several months, we're going to find out what the fallout of the decisions made at this conference will be. Whatever these results are, we know that change is happening. And closer to home, here at Alamo Heights United Methodist, we're facing change. In May, we're going to say goodbye to our friend, to Pastor Magnitsky, this man that has been a spiritual teacher and father and rabbi and pastor and mentor to many of us for 24 years. And then in July, we welcome a new senior pastor. And whoever that senior pastor might be, we know that change is coming. And so in this Lenten season, we turn to the Gospel of Matthew and we ask ourselves this question, How do we face change? This gospel of Matthew begins to answer this question of change by asking and answering a question of its own. Who is this Jesus? Biblical scholar Douglas Hare points out that Matthew doesn't answer this question with a theological definition of Jesus or the Christ, but rather Matthew begins by telling us the story of Jesus' ancestry. While I understand what I read to you doesn't sound like much of a story, I assure you that as we explore this genealogy, we'll see that it has quite a tale to tell. First is this. Most of our English translations begin this by saying the genealogy of Jesus the Christ. The actual Greek word for genealogy used here is genesis. Now this word genesis should immediately bring a kaleidoscope of imagery to our mind. 
First, the word Genesis can be defined in different ways. It can be defined as generations and carry the connotation of continuity and history and presence. But Genesis can also be translated as origins and carry the connotation of something new beginning. And so from this word Genesis with almost paradoxical definitions, we can understand this as saying this is the continuing story of the birth of something new in Jesus Christ. But most obviously, of course, when we hear this word Genesis, our minds are drawn to the first book of the Bible. It's in this first book of the Bible in Genesis that we find the description of the heavens and the earth being created. And it's in this first book that we find that God creates partners to help him serve and preserve this creation that he's made. And it's in this first book of the Bible, Genesis, that a promise is given to a man named Abraham that all the families and all the tribes of the earth will be blessed through him. Genesis is the story of the renewal of all of creation. And by using this word Jesus or Genesis, and by claiming Jesus' ancestry from Abraham, Matthew tells us that this story of Jesus is actually a part of that larger story. This gospel is about how in this Christ, the renewal of all things is accomplished, how new creation is brought. Matthew connects the story of this Jesus to the story of God that's been told for thousands of years. Another way that this genealogy tells the tale of a God of redemption is through the people in the genealogy. Matthew takes great pains not only to connect this Jesus to Abraham, but to connect him to a particular person in the middle of this genealogy. To say that King David is a significant figure in the history of the people that are chosen by God is to enormously understate the obvious. David's legacy was supremely important to the nation of Israel. And the first reader of Matthew's gospel would have mountains of meaning attached with this name. David's story is primarily told in the books of Samuel and Chronicles. And within these books, we find triumph after triumph for David. Before he even begins his career, he defeats Goliath. And from there, his reputation only grows. He's known as a man that will liberate the people of Israel from the threat of the Philistines and from the threat of their own poor leadership. When David finally does become king, he is the first to truly unite the 12 tribes together and establish the capital in Jerusalem fortifying the city and building a palace. He establishes trade routes with his neighbors and is in general regarded as one of the most accomplished kings of Israel's history. The Gospel of Matthew declares that at last, David's long-awaited ancestor is here to retake that throne, to bring Israel back into freedom and prosperity. And the stories that are told through the names in this genealogy do not end there. Abraham, of course, establishes this nation. His grandson, Jacob, is a witness to the living and present God, raises his 12 sons to establish the 12 tribes, and is known for his cleverness and his work ethic. Judah becomes known for his leadership. Perez is known for his explosive initiative. Boaz for his righteous steadfastness. Solomon for his wisdom. 
Asa for his refusal to bow down to the, to the idols, Hezekiah for his faithful, prayerful defense of Jerusalem, Josiah for leading the nation in a renewal of the covenant with their God, Zerubbabel leading the people home from exile. And there's five women that are named. Tamar's ingenuity continues a family line. Rahab's intelligence opens the door for Israel to take Jericho. Ruth's faithfulness to her family takes her far away from her home. The wife of Uriah, otherwise known as Bathsheba, fights for her son. And Mary says yes to bearing Emmanuel. All of these righteous and virtuous people form the family tree of Jesus the Christ. But the genealogy stories do not end there. Some of these same people have other sides of their story. Abraham did not believe the messenger of the Lord and instead impregnated his wife's handmaiden. He also twice tried to give his wife away to the Egyptian king out of fear for his own safety before his heir was born. Jacob deceived his brother, married two women, sisters, and impregnated both of their handmaidens. I mentioned Tamar's ingenuity. Well, that ingenuity entailed playing the part of a prostitute in order to be impregnated by the father of her two dead husbands. That father, by the way, was a man named Judah who had refused to protect Tamar after his two sons had died and had decided that he, she needed to be burned alive when she was found to be pregnant. Rahab was a Gentile and a prostitute. Ruth, also a Gentile, makes an explicit overture in the night to a man that she hardly knows. David, a man after God's own heart, forces himself on his friend's wife and impregnates her and then schemes to murder her husband. Solomon, the man known for his wisdom, breaks as many commands as we can name in an effort to increase the status and wealth of his empire. It's said that he had 700 wives and that most of them were from tribes that God said, don't marry these women. For every king, righteous king that's named in this genealogy, there are two that it said did evil in the sight of the Lord. Another biblical scholar, a man named Eugene Boring, says that as we read these opening verses of the Gospel of Matthew, we find that this messianic story is inclusive. It extends to women and men of all nations working through irregular and scandalous means. We read every single name in this genealogy because every single name in this genealogy carries with it a story. Sometimes these stories are stories of covenantal fidelity and love of neighbor and embrace of the stranger and strength and courage in the face of change and challenge. But sometimes the story is not so. Sometimes these stories are about infidelity and mistreatment of the neighbor and exclusion of those that are seen as not belonging and fear in the face of change. This genealogy includes all of this. It tells both the triumphant and the terrible. And it says that everything belongs to the line of the Messiah. Every single one of these stories is part of telling the story of redemption and renewal. It's from both of these stories that the Christ is born. Dr. Shia says that as we embark on this path of transformation, 
The first thing that we bring with us to this path is exactly us, all of who that we are. As I embark on my own journey of transformation, I bring with me both my love and my hate, my embrace and my exclusion, my fear and my strength. And as you embark on your journey, you bring all of the same. And as our church faces change, our church brings with it all of these stories as well. Whether it's the global United Methodist Church or our local church here, we bring these stories with us. We have stories of faithfulness and love and embrace and strength. But if we're honest, we also have stories of faithlessness, mistreatment and exclusion and fear. As we continue to tell this story, this story that's been told for thousands of years before us, as we birth what is new in our part of this story, we bring all of ourselves to this path of transformation. Climbing this mountain of change is not easy. And part of the reason that it's not easy is that it requires of us to be honest with ourselves about who we wholly are. But this Genesis tells us that these stories, our stories, both the scandalous and the sweet, are the stories from which the Christ is born. Amen.